All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schneck. You know, I've had a lot of conversations about the impact of social and social media and all this modern communication tools that now exist and the impact that it's having on the world. I, uh, I will tell you, I can't have enough conversations about it because it's my sense that there's still far too many people, far too many organizations that still aren't doing it right, still don't understand it, still don't get it. So that's why we're having this conversation today. I'm joined by two gentlemen who have published a new book that we're going to talk about. Say hello to my guest, Ted Coyne and Mark Babbitt. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Todd, thank you so much. We're glad to be here. Oh, it's good Thrilled to, have to be here, Tom. Yeah, great to have you both. Thanks for carving out some valuable time to join me. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Ted, let's start off with you. Uh, a few quick seconds. Inform the audience a bit about you and your background. So in my 20s, I had a sales background. I switched over to teaching English as a second language and launched my first company uh, in 2001. So uh, I, I've started several since then. And about 2009... I got online and social in a big way. The last five years, I've been just immersed in the social world um, from a, a business person's perspective, and it's just fascinating to me. And the current organization is Switch and Shift. Tell us about that. Switch and Shift is uh, an online community of leaders who are focused on bringing the human side of business to the fore. So, um, you know, kind of... It, allowing us to divorce ourselves from the industrial age, command and control, you know, check your soul at the door type of company that probably many of us grew up with and, um, and make work a more rewarding and profitable place. Understood. All right. We're also joined, as I said, by Mark Babbitt. Mark, uh, take a few seconds and inform us about you and your background. I'm happy to, Todd. I'm, I'm a, a, a startup guy by DNA. Uh, I, I'm currently uh, the founder and CEO of my third startup. It's called U-Turn. It's a talent community for young careers, helping them ascend into the workforce perhaps a little bit more gracefully than they would otherwise. I'm also president of Switch and Shift, and I'm proud to say I'm co-author of A World Gone Social with Ted. All right. Well, you guys heard me uh, tee off the show, so you know where I where I stand on this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I always like to see how guys like you answer this question. But did the world really need another book on social? So, Ted, I'll start off with you. Why did you guys have to write this book? So here's the thing. The world absolutely does not need another book on the tactics of social, and our book is not a marketing book. It's a leadership in the business age book. And as far as we can tell, it's still the first and only book of its kind out there. Mark, any additional comment there? Well, I think here's, here's the deal. We have a ton of books about, about why social is, is so important. We don't have a ton of information available to us about how to transition from our industrial age leadership mindset to, to what is a very different mindset in the social age that we we were taught how to lead you know uh, in a very autocratic um decisive 
uh, loud style, and and the world has changed, and that's why we wrote the book is to help people make that change. All right. Well, we're going to talk about this shift from the industrial age to the social age in just a second. But uh, uh, just a second ago, one of you said the human side of business. Now, I uh, that's one of those. That's one of those phrases. It's one of those concepts that when you say that to 10 people, those 10 people have a different definition of what that is and what that looks like. What do you guys think that means? Uh, I'm curious to know what you guys think the human side of business really is. So, uh, Todd, on my bookshelf, I have The Human Side of Enterprise by Douglas McGregor. He wrote that all the way back in 1960. And basically, if you want to break it down and take away the, the uh, management jargon, he, he talked about two types of leading and two types of organizational cultures. One where employers do not trust their employees, and so they must uh, watch them very carefully, monitor their uh, their behavior very carefully, and reward them or punish them um, very closely. And the other where they do trust. Now, that was way back in 1960. There have been companies, there have been you know leaders who have trusted their people to be excellent and to care about their work since the dawn of time. Uh, Marcus Aurelius was a, a Roman emperor who, who practiced the human side of leadership. Well, Today, still, many, many organizations are run by the distrust. The if, if we're not careful, our employees are going to take advantage. They're going to get a paycheck and not do any work, that type of thing. And it's really sad. The human side of business is, hey, you know, it should be the only side of business. It depends really whether you come from an, an, uh, a perspective of trusting your workers to be excellent and want to perform their best or distrusting them. You know, you mentioned that you know there's plenty of books about tactics, about how to actually do social. But my contention, I bristle when I hear that because I don't think you need to worry about tactics if you just if you use these tools to to interact with actual human beings and not some uh, avatar. I mean, then you don't really need tactics, right? You just you're still communicating, connecting with, and and talking to human beings, right? If you if you have that mindset. Social is actually kind of kind of easy. Well, Todd, that's an excellent point, and and we make that point in the book that we look. We don't need to go hire three hundred dollar an hour consultants and talk about strategy, and and build a social media plan. We need to get on Twitter and start talking. We need to get we need to join LinkedIn groups and and add to the conversation. We just need to jump in with both feet. This is not rocket science, and I can say that because my wife is a rocket scientist. <laughs> this is this isn't like that. This is this is just get in there and and revert back to what we do naturally, and that is communicate. And and the industrial age it kind of beat that out of us, right? To Ted's point earlier, it, we 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 started focusing on efficiency and not on the not on communicating and that's what social does for us and let's face it if you if you're going to sit down and have a talk with your mother-in-law you you might want to do a little strategizing first especially if you don't get along but <laughs> but for the most part you're just going to sit there and have a conversation and that's what social does for us all right so as you guys said this is not a book on social media or how to do social media it is a leadership book so go deeper on that what do you mean by that so in the social age uh, which we we uh, mark as beginning about 2008, when enough people were on social that they started making a difference. Started, um, you know, the customers hold all the cards is one of our our chapter titles, and another is uh, the idea that employees also 
hold all the cards because they're talking about your brand, whether you want them to or not, or and whether they're saying good things or bad things, they're talking about you. Well, we are in the social age. We're deep into it. We're halfway between 2008 and 2020. Imagine what the world will be like. I have trouble even imagining it in 2020. People who rule their companies by industrial age standards, you know, it was supposed to end in the 1970s when we went to the digital age or the information age. People involved in the command and control distrust employees mindset just said, hey, more tools to control my people and to build more efficiencies into my organization. Organizations are by and large pretty organi- uh, pretty, pretty uh, well efficient by now, especially having survived the Great Recession. Uh, we don't need to worry as much about efficiency as we do about the top talent that we have actually being awake and ta- applying their talented when they're at work. And you don't do that by ruling you do that by enabling. That's what the social age is. So we have 15 different chapters on different aspects of that. So this idea of, uh, I mean, you just mentioned talent. I mean, this uh, we've, we've, we've talked about this shift from the industrial age to the social age, and we, all, we also understand that. I mean, there's a million books out there, not just a world gone social, but there's other books out there, not, and not just on social, but on leadership and how to manage people and how to that all say that this command and control thing no longer works, but yet there are still, I'm, I'm going to guess, some, uh, probably a significant majority of the organizations out there still operate that way. Why is that still happening? Why, how, with all this knowledge, with, with gentlemen like you out there talking about this and, and, and sharing what this is all about and how it can and how it should work, why are we still fighting this battle? Well, Todd, that's another great question. Here's here's the reality. We're still, most of our major corporations are still being led by those who went to business school and, and were taught how to lead in this in this John Wayne style. And, and there, you know, that, that, that works for a lot of corporations and it works in a lot of places. But as we bring new talent in, especially our millennial talent, now our Gen, Gen Z talent, the digital natives, those who are used to communicating on social, if we don't go where they are, we're not going to attract them. We're not going to train them well. We're not going to retain them. And and it's just a different mindset. We now we're not saying we all want to be Mr. Rogers either. There's a there's you know, there's a middle ground here, right? Sure, sometimes sure. We, we need a little John Wayne, but sometimes we need a little Mr. Rogers. We 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 want to be connected. And I'll tell you one of the things that especially young talent absolutely hates is being completely disconnected from leadership to have that 13 15 18 layers of 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 management between us and the person making the decisions they hate that and social brings us closer together and it allows us to listen not just to our customers but to the the newest employee the newest intern and say look you're you've been here six weeks now Tell me what you think. What are we doing right? What are we what are we doing wrong? What do we need to do better? How do we attract more top talent like you? If a CEO does that to the new intern or the new employee, they have just made a champion for life for that brand. And it and it just needs to happen more and more. It it's it has a real impact on talent management and and talent recruitment uh, to be 
in this social in, in believing in and from your gut operating uh, in this social age uh, so talent management sure but it also has an impact on internal operations in terms of uh, fostering innovation and fostering creativity yes yeah exactly so the thing is you know we we have brains that are almost three pounds heavy and the idea that we should come into work and only bring about uh, half a pound <laughs> and leave the rest in the car until right. we get done with the workday. That's just a tremendous, I mean, we hire intelligent people and then we don't allow them to be intelligent in all the different creative ways. Innovation is creativity applied. And, uh, you know, creativity by itself maybe is just chaos, but creativity applied and put in a direction that helps the business, who doesn't want more of that for their business? Well, it turns out people who are very afraid don't want more of that for their business because they're afraid of my, what might happen if they really tapped into the full talent of their employees all throughout the organization. You know, what we talk a lot about social media as, uh, you know, a force of nature outside of the organization and how companies can tap into social media and really, you know, take part in the conversation. How about inside? How about collaboration technology where it doesn't matter where you sit on the organizational tree, whether you work at home, whether you work in a foreign country, we can all connect and top talent can rise to the areas where they are most uh, beneficial to the organization. And that means that they're the most beneficial to themselves, that their work is just amazing and they love it. Ted, I could make the case. Uh, there's no doubt the external reach of social is critical. We're going we're to get into that after the break. But I, I, I could make a case that the internal power that comes from this could almost be, we could almost list that, rank that number one. Do you, do you have any disagreement with that? I'm not going to fight you on that whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Ted and Mark will be back after this quick break. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Miles Finch Innovation, LLC, a creative consultancy that is passionate about ideas, imagination, and facilitating a culture of innovation. Miles Finch Innovation helps companies navigate the messy territory of corporate innovation. They're strategic thinking partners who can help you get unstuck and identify creative solutions to your toughest challenges. They also love to train and speak on the subject of creative leadership. Learn more about how they can help you at milesfinchinnovation.com. Miles Finch Innovation, idea-centric, strategically driven, humanly conscious. All right, we're back with Ted Coyne and Mark Babbitt, the authors of A World Gone Social. So uh, we hinted right before the break that we were going to talk about the, the the customer there there has been a significant shift a power shift from the corporation to the customer it used to be a a scenario where there was buyer beware uh now now we're almost in a world of seller beware talk about this shift from corp from corporations to customers well todd here's 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 what's happening is we have this shift that that is taking us from a propensity to talk at our customers and to message at them. And now we all of a sudden we have a chance to actually listen to them and communicate with them and engage with them. And we've never had that opportunity before. I mean, go back to the, to the, you know, even pre industrial age, we never had the opportunity to sit down and actually talk to a customer and, and getting back to what we talked about in the first segment, sometimes that's scary, 
right? I mean, let's face it. If you're Comcast, do you really want to talk to all those angry customers? <laughs> right? JP Morgan Chase? No, thank you. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that has to take those calls. But if we don't take those calls, if we don't make that leap, we're losing the opportunity to invest in in the mindset of our customers. I mean, you know, everybody talks a lot about um, real time. Well, it's not just real time. It's real time at the right time. Because a lot of companies are jumping on social saying, ooh, I get to listen to my customers, but then they never do anything with the information. They're not ready yet, right? They can't make change yet. So real time information does does no good if you're not ready to invest in in how your customers feel about your product or your brand. So it's not just real-time stuff. It's real-time at the right-time stuff. Well, this is a thing that all three of us, I'm sure, have been saying since we all seem to get into this uh, world 2008-ish is, is – the, the opportunity to interact with an unhappy customer is, is an amazing opportunity to turn that relationship around. It boggles my mind that 2014, that concept still doesn't seem to be understood. Yeah, it's still scary. Yeah, if I'm Comcast's social media team, I, it's a long day every day. Um, <laughs> but, but what an amazing opportunity to, to, to connect with these people. I just don't get, and granted, we don't want to sit here and impugn Comcast all day long, but they're a great example of, of an organization that has a lot of customer service struggles. And their social media presence does, I think, make an effort. But for any organization that chooses to to not engage that way because of, of fear of interacting with angry people, they're missing a tremendous opportunity. All right, well, that's something that we don't need to beat around the bush because we've we've all been probably yelling that from the ramparts for, for years and years. Mark, you mentioned this idea of engagement. You're right. It's, engagement's one of those words that I think, frankly, is is, is used wrong, is is – uh, people misunderstand what it really means. Uh, when I when I sit there and talk to an organization that h- hasn't shifted to the social age yet, and I say you got to worry about engagement, that I get this blank stare. What does that really mean? How does that apply to an organization that that is that wants to embrace the social age but doesn't quite get it yet? Well, here, I mean, well, engagement. First of all, let's acknowledge that it, it it's it's. Uh, it's earned its place in the buzzword hall of fame right. uh, already. Right. And, and by the way, throw, throw transparency and authenticity in that same pile. Right. <laughs> yes. um, I cringe every time I hear it. And, and, and for the reasons you mentioned, Todd, uh, those $300 consultants throw that word around like it's some secret sauce. It's not, it's not secret at all. It comes down to one thing, trust. Yep. Do my employees, do my customers, Trust that I'm doing the right thing. So transparency, authenticity, engagement. Well, we, if, if you're not transparent or authentic, you don't have trust. And if you don't engage, then nobody knows you're trustworthy, right? You're still message controlling. You're not communicating. So, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're buzzwords. Throw, throw them all out and start working deliberately on being a trustworthy CEO, a leader, a business owner, and a brand. Well, I go back to what we talked about at the top of the show in this idea of the human side of business. Uh, if you want to understand what engagement is, well, then treat people like a human being and engage with them that way. Uh, people still fall into this Madison Avenue mentality of, oh, I can just buy uh, the message and I can push it out. And they, they engage with, and I shouldn't use engage, they, they utilize social media to 
just push messages one way, and that that no longer works. That is not engagement. That's just shouting. Uh, and but it just it goes back to what we said at the very top of the show. If you just treat someone like a human being, how you would want to be treated as a human being, that's what, in my view, is a simple way to understand what engagement is. Do you do you agree? No argument whatsoever. Uh, so I I like to replace those three words that uh, that Mark. <laughs> listed because they drive both of us crazy and i think they drive you true uh you crazy too Todd. yeah uh instead of transparent let's say open instead of authentic how about honest and instead of engage let's talk about converse if we engage with our with our customers or our employees we're talking with them not broadcasting out them throughout the book we use a, a term that we came up with that uh is more social less media Please, it's not about it's not about broadcasting at people. You had no choice in the industrial age but to do that. You you put an ad in the newspaper or you didn't advertise. Now we don't need to put an ad in the newspaper if there is still a newspaper in our, our area. We uh we can talk to people via social, have a two way conversation. Don't talk at people. Speak with them. It is so easy to ignore a brand that is just sitting there telling you. The, the latest press release telling you the latest, um, you know, uh, boy, this is our our sale today. Click here for twenty percent off our products. You know, people don't pay attention to that stuff, or or they do right when they're shopping if they're already shopping for you. Before that even happens, how about do they think of you at all, and what do they think when they think of you? And that's got everything to do with how you represent yourself as you speak with them online throughout every day. Boy, as I reflect on open, honest, and converse, it just changes the whole paradigm on 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 those things. I, I, that's a that's a great way to think on it. it. It does open up a different part of the brain to look at those things in a different way. That that's great stuff. All right, another thing that you guys talk about is the fact that. This, this social age enables you to think small and act nimble. Talk about that and why that gives you a competitive advantage. Well, that gets us back, Todd, to, to what we talked about a little bit earlier, that, that, that we want to feel engaged at work. We want, we want to know that we're part of the solution or we're developing the next product that's, that's, that's going to have an impact on people's lives. And, and to do that... To feel that way, we we have to be connected, and 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 it and when we have all those layers of management, when our CEO is sitting up on the sixty second floor in the corner office, and we never hear from from her at all until something goes wrong, well, that just leads to this this feeling of being disengaged. So, so by going small, it 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 not only helps us feel engaged, but now it puts the right people in the right room, right? It doesn't matter what it, the title says on your business card. It doesn't matter uh, your seniority. It's like, look, guys, we have a challenge in front of us and I'm going to go get the, the the person on the assembly line floor and I'm going to get a mid-level manager and I'm going to get engineering and I'm going to get sales and I'm going to get marketing and I'm going I'm to get somebody who can help us in, with the budget. I'm going to get us all in the right room and, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to build on this. And, and that's what small does. And by the way, that's what small companies do, right? Two or three people sitting around the room, two or three founders of a company, they can make decisions in 10 minutes. 
they don't need six months to, to make a, the right decision or to treat a customer well or to make a hiring choice. Boom, it's done. And, and in the social age, that's what our customers expect. That's what our employees expect. So if you're one of these legacy enterprises that has these 13, 15, 18 layers of management and decision making, nobody's going to want to be there. It's, it just takes the wind out of your sails. It makes you feel disengaged. Absolutely. Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the import of, of that internal communication that can come with this, and, and, and that can make an organization, quote, smaller as well. All right, Ted, so you guys uh, contend that bosses and managers are fast becoming obsolete. That's a bold statement. I like it. Tell me why. My personal favorite section, it might be Mark's as well, is uh, section two, where we go a little bit deeper. So the, the first section of the book, we try to be very helpful and very, you know, uh, here's here's some surface things you can do immediately. Section two, we start with the death of large, and Mark was was talking about that, about how you don't have to uh, just go extinct if you're a large company. It's not necessarily that it's, it's all over. You may as well just uh, go bankrupt, but you need to start acting like a small company because small companies make those decisions quickly and they're doing things in a nimble, uh, you know, competitive manner. Whereas large companies are not made typically with a big bureaucracy. They're not made for uh, turning on a dime at all. They're made for predictable excellence. We're not in a predictable environment anymore. The next chapter is, uh, we say flat, is it the new black? Um, because here's the thing, self-management, flat, um, participative management, a holacracy, you may have heard that recently. Um, it doesn't mean that we all need to fire all of our managers. That's actually really stupid. But what it does mean is this command and control idea of leading your business is just terribly inefficient. Where our leaders are, the, the best leaders have always been, servant leaders, have always been facilitators. Let me help you do your job better. Uh, one of my favorite business leaders um, we mentioned in the book is um, Vineet Nayar of um, HCLT. Uh, it's a, a global company. They, uh, he brought his company, by the way, from about $700 million a year to $4.5 million in just a few years by turning the pyramid completely on its head uh, by having an employees-first, customer-centric um, plan. They did a lot of experimenting to get there. It was very, you know, a messy, bloody experience, but it made their company thrive. And what that means is, he said, there's basically two types of company, uh, two types of employees here. They're the people in the value zone; those are the ones who are dealing directly with the customer, and they're the people in the serving. Um, capacity where we are, we are helping those in the value zone do their job better. So he said, me as the CEO of this company, I'm not the most important person. I'm the most uh, maybe uh, necessary facilitator to make sure that this system is in place. I'm the defender of the, of the culture, but it's the people on the front lines, the people who are dealing with your customers every day. Those are the people who are really bringing value to the stockholder. That change in mindset and a change in way of doing business is something that very few companies really practiced in the industrial age. A few of them did. And it's something that going forward is absolutely necessary. 
Uh, it's revolutionary. It's going to change business forever. All right. Well, gentlemen, I'm I'm saddened to report that we are running low on time. Uh, uh, we are uh, about to engage on a uh, a, a, a long term content series on the Intrepid Now Network, uh, where we're going to talk about. Uh, enhancing your digital and online profile. So I would love to have you guys come back and be panelists on that conversation as it goes. I'll be in touch with you on that. But for today, before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about A World Gone Social and get their hands on the book? Well, we'll we, we're happy to send them to aworldgonesocial.com. Uh, Ted and I, uh, you'll you'll find we practice what we preach. We tend to be on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, uh, Mark S. Babbitt, B-A-B-B-I-T-T. And Ted's Twitter handle is uh, his name, Ted Coyne. All right, Ted Coyne and Mark Babbitt, co-authors of the new book, A World Gone Social. Gentlemen, this was a, was a really great conversation. I'm really grateful for you uh, giving us a half an hour of your time to join us. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us, Todd. The pleasure was mine. All right. That wraps this conversation. Again, on behalf of my guests, Ted Coyne and Mark Babbitt, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. What you want? What you want? Come on. Come on.